Welcome to the I Am African podcast, where excellence isn't just inspired, but demanded. I believe in asking the difficult questions, starting the uncomfortable conversations, proposing outside-the-box solutions, and of course, shaking tables. No, breaking tables, all while being African. I am your host, Vera Ezimora. Hi, sweet potatoes. Here we are, number 17 on the I Am African podcast. Thank you so much for sticking with me this long. So I have a great show lined up for you today. It is an interview with Edafe Oporo, who is an openly gay Nigerian man living in New York. But before we get into the interview, let me, of course, you know, go through the usual. So first of all, let me give a shout out to two cities. Today, they're both in the state of Georgia. So we're receiving a lot of love from Georgia. Thank you so much, Georgia. So the cities are Belvedere Park, Georgia and Smyrna, Georgia. I don't even know where either one of these cities are. Like, I don't know if I've been there before, but thank you to the people, to the sweet potatoes who are listening from here. Thank you so much. Now, uh, let's read a comment. So today's comment is from Ade Josie. The title of the comment is You Are Black Too. And it's a really short comment. It says very raw and direct, informative. And Ade Josie is referring to episode 13, which is titled Dear Africans, You Are Black Too. So if you haven't listened, you can check that out. Um, thank you so much, Ade Josie. And you guys, in case you can't tell, if I haven't been desperate enough, I love your comments and your reviews. And apart from me getting personal satisfaction <laughs> from reading them, they also give the show legs, okay? So if somebody new uh, stumbled upon the I Am African podcast and they read your reviews, it makes them more likely to listen also, and I'm speaking now specifically about Apple Podcast. That's where I'm reading all these reviews from. So in addition to uh, some new person listening because of your reviews, it also lets Apple know that, okay, so this is a good uh, podcast. People are listening and they like it. So please rate, please review. I appreciate it. I'm going to ask again in the Facebook group. Speaking of the Facebook group, uh, we are 21 people away from having 400 members. Yes, I am very excited and I'm very proud. Thank you for everyone who's in that group. It's really active. So when I have a guest, the people in the group are first to know that, hey, we have this person who will be coming on to speak about this thing. And when I ask questions, when I ask for questions for the guest, I usually post that in the group. Sometimes I may post it outside the group, but most times I do it in there. And the reason is because the group is more intimate. And that's why I created a group for this podcast and not a regular Facebook page, because I really wanted that intimate feeling, okay? The community, the sense of community. So if you haven't yet, please join the group. And the link is actually in every show note. Uh, Every episode show note, the link is in there and it says uh, Facebook group. So once you click on Facebook group, it takes you there. So just join. It's really easy. I don't need to tell you how to do that. And uh, lastly, um, monthly love notes. So I send these emails out to 
those who are subscribed. It's every month. It should be every month. Sometimes I skip a month. So, but it's about once or twice a month. If you just click on monthly love notes in your email, the link is also there. This li these links are at the bottom of every show note. All right, let me move on now. Hmm. Okay. This week's episode was extraordinarily phenomenal for me. Why? Because literally in the description, in the intro of this podcast, I mentioned that I want to have difficult conversations and, you know, and ask uncomfortable questions. And this interview with Edafe was just that. I was really excited about talking to Edafe because an openly gay Nigerian person who's willing to talk about experiences that we may frown upon and I'm not even talking about the part of being gay but the other parts when you listen you know is for me that was great I like to have conversations like that because I think that these are the most important conversations in our community we know that culturally we don't talk about things like this you know I mean I still make jokes about being in my 30s and my parents have still not had the talk with me I'm already one child in and I still haven't received the talk. But anyway, I don't want to talk too much. I want you to go ahead on and listen to this episode. And as usual, if you want to connect with Edafe, the links are in the show notes. Thank you, guys. Please don't forget to leave that review and rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much. All right. Now let's go into the interview. Hi, Edafe. Welcome to the I Am African podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Vera. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's so awesome. So uh, we are having a conversation today, a much needed conversation that uh, we're going to be as transparent and open as possible. And as you guys are listening to it, I hope you come away knowing more than you did before. I hope you come away with some understanding less confusion, more clarity. And I have here with me Edafe Oporo. And I found him on Instagram and it was awesome when I reached out to him. And let me tell you a little bit about him. Very, very little bit about him. You're, you're really modest in your description, Edafe. He is a speaker, author, and diversity expert. And he lives in New York. So Edafe, it is such a pleasure. Such a pleasure. Thank you very much, Vera. I think I should start by saying why my bio is very modest. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. As a gay, black, and refugee, most of the times we tend to fight for change because of the things we are involved in. And of course. it becomes a burden we carry on sometimes. So I don't want to be called an LGBTQ right activist. Just because I am gay doesn't make me a gay right activist. Got you. It's kind of like the argument that some black people say, I'm just a man. I don't want to, or I'm just a woman. I don't want to be the voice of black people. Correct. Right? Okay. Understood. Well, let me tell you guys, how did I find it? I was on Instagram and I saw a video and I don't remember now which news outlet had it. It was the big platform they had. It was a video of you, Daffy, talking about uh, you being an openly gay Nigerian man and you came from Nigeria here to America as a refugee and 
I was I was like, wow, um, he's perfect. <laughs> Let me reach out to him and see if he's willing to come on this platform, uh, which is a relatively smaller platform than the one I found you on. But I thought, let me ask, and maybe you'd be willing to come on here and talk about this because there are a lot of people in different situations and they're not always wanting to come and publicly speak about their situation, which is understandable. Uh, It's not an easy thing to do. So I appreciate you taking the time to come on here today. Thank you very much, Vera. So, you know, like when I don't want to be called an LGBTQ rights activist, that is the basis Mm -hmm. of the conversation is that, okay, I identify as a gay man from Nigeria and there is Mm -hmm. no visibility of gay LGBTQ people that are visible and they are Africans. So that in itself made me an activist because I was creating visibility for a community. So now Mm -hmm. I'm no longer fighting for the right to live as a gay person because I live in America and I have the right to be gay. So I'm fighting for other things. So I'm trying to make people understand that the reason why I came out as a gay rights activist is because my rights were trampled as a Nigerian. Not anymore. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about that. Just a little bit of history. For those who don't know you, they're just hearing you the, for the first time today, you used to live in Nigeria. What part of Nigeria? So I grew up in Wari Delta State. And okay. during my higher education, I live in Enugu State, Eastern Nigeria. Oh, okay. Then for my NYSC, I was in Niger State in the North. Then I did my master's in NY, um, ABU Zaria <laughs> in Kaduna okay. State. Then I was working in Abuja before I moved here. So I've stayed in the north, I've stayed in the south, I've stayed in the east. <laughs> okay. Wazogia. <laughs> okay. All right. And you at some point were a pastor of a church or yeah. yeah. I don't know if you're the main pastor, but you pastored a church at some point. Yeah. So in college I was like uh, uh you know pastor of a student fellowship. Okay. In Enugu State. Then when I graduated I did the School of Discipleship from the Redeemed Christian Church of God, and I was a pastor in Abuja when I was working in Abuja. I pastored a church of more than 8,000 people. (laughs) Wow, that's a lot of people. Yes. Churches Um, in Nigeria are very big. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know, that's very true. So, and when you were a pastor, you hadn't come out as gay, you were, as far as everyone knew, you were a straight man. So you come out in phases. This is something about okay. coming out. When, oh. you, when you realize you are gay, is an internal battle you have with yourself to decide if you really want to accept that tag of being gay. So this is right. an internal battle every LGBTQ person fights with. That battle is that you grew up in a world that tells you that you are not okay if you identify as gay. So how can you accept that thing? So you start looking for little blessings here and there that will confirm the shower to make it know that, oh, this rain that is pouring is a real thunder or storm. So I realized Mm. I I like men right from my high school days, like when I was in secondary school. I attended an all-boys secondary school in in Warri Unity Modern Secondary School, Agbaro. 
So that was okay. the first time I realized I like men because like when the guys are playing, I'm interested in guys and things like that. But I couldn't explore my sexuality because I was really afraid for people to tag me and say, oh, he's gay or something like that. Right. The first time I really explored my sexuality as a gay man was in college when I was in Enugu State University. And so then I was like, I wasn't going to be gay because when I tried to like meet a gay guy, I was beating up this took my phone, he took all the money wow. and I had, he stripped me naked, he beat me up. So I said I wasn't going to be gay. So when I came to Abuja, I was trying to hide my sexuality by becoming a pastor. Because if you're a pastor, mm. nobody will ask you where is your wife or things like that. If you right. say, I'm just being, I'm holding myself until <laughs> I find that right person. Right. So when I was a pastor, I knew that I liked men, but I didn't know when I was going to come out. But I finally came out to the community members. Like I went to an underground party in Abuja. Oh, wow. So underground party, they do HIV testing there. People dress as women, things like that. That was when I said, ah, I've been hiding myself too much. I was going to come out to, I came out to my senior pastor who told me that, Daphne, you know you cannot be gay in the church. So you have to drop. So they announced it to my church members and I stopped being a pastor. Then I became a gay rights activist in Nigeria. How was that? Becoming a gay rights activist in Nigeria. At this time, was it, had they passed the law that no. you would get 14 years in prison? You hadn't passed that law. So it was about time they passed the law. I think, oh, wow. yeah. So I started my activism because of the fight for HIV treatment for gay men. Because in Nigeria, HIV positive people are categorized as gay people. Most Really? At the beginning of the disease when... Pregnant women have not gotten it or things like that. It was mostly like, oh, it's gay people's disease. Right. So then I was fighting for access to treatment because people were afraid to go and assess treatment because they don't want them to label them as gay or things like that. Right. That's how I started my activism. So when they passed this law in 2014, it became very legal for healthcare providers to discriminate against people that are HIV positive because mm. someone will say oh if I go to the hospital they will say I'm gay and if I'm gay I'll be arrested for 10 years in prison people do not right. even know, people do not even know what the law states so then that was when my activism became very very popular as I was like advocating that no people that are HIV positive are not gay people some people are pregnant women some people are like prostitutes that don't have right. access to protection, sex right. workers, we need to protect everybody. Everybody needs to have access to treatment. But when the law passed in 2014 that criminalizes same-sex relationship by 14 years imprisonment, another right. session of the law criminalized activists by 10 years imprisonment. Really? Amorphous show of public affection. That means in any shape or any form that people of two same sex are showing affection in public, they are criminalized by 10 years imprisonment. So that law gave rise to non-state actors. That's people that are not police, people that are not law enforcement, can take the law into their end and say that we are are trying to um, enact Gulag Jonathan law 
to jail the gay and clean our community of gays. That was when I started wow. facing persecution in 2014. So prior to this law, you were fine. You were openly gay. You were an activist and nobody attacked you for yeah. being that. Yeah, so prior to this law, it was kiss and don't tell. Okay, okay. So kiss, okay. And, kiss and don't tell means that, okay, I am gay. I can have sex with somebody. Nobody knows. Nobody right. knows anything. Right. Wow, that's interesting. Now, with you being a pastor, did you have any internal battles about being gay and being a Christian? I did. I did. Okay. So there's always this constant struggle of like, is this thing I'm doing right? Am uh -huh. I doing something right? Or am I like, you know, there's always this constant battle because, you know, you grow up understanding the Bible. The way the Bible is taught in Nigeria is that Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed because they were gay. Right. So having that message in your head and not having a counter message that your love and gay people can be Christians or things like that, there's always this conflict that everything I'm doing is a sin and it's bad and it's wrong and I'm going to go to hell. So if I have sex with somebody, I have to go back to church and pray and need that Lord forgive me. I'm sorry. I wouldn't do this again. I'll do it again. Oh my God, forgive me. I wouldn't. So this is just a mm -hmm. constant battle of like not accepting myself and thinking that I'm condemned. So when now when you're praying for God's forgiveness, were you praying for God to forgive you because you had sex with a man or because you had sex before marriage, period? I was or praying for both. At the beginning, I was praying God should forgive me because I had a sex with a man. Okay, okay. So now that you're openly gay, you've accepted yourself, where are you with that? Are you still a pastor first? No, I'm not. I'm a Christian. You're no longer a pastor. You're a Christian. Okay, so where are you with that now? Do you still feel the same guilt? No. <laughs> so, you know, like I've gotten to a stage whereby I've assessed other literatures about faith. I've come okay. to terms with faith and I believe that God is in every human being. And you don't assess God only through what a pastor says or what the Bible says. I believe some portion of the Bible is correct. I believe some portion of the Quran is correct and the Torah and every religion have something to add to the equation. So if today, for example, we are writing about history, if I write about history as somebody living in New York and you write about history as somebody living in D.C., Baltimore area, with somebody mm -hmm. living in Nigeria or somebody living in Saudi Arabia, there will be different opinions entering into that same history we are writing. Because mm -hmm. this is how life is. It's an equation. It's what, um, your worldview is as a result of your lived experience plus, expo right. plus exposure. So... In Nigeria, my worldview was like gay people are bad because it was my lived experience and the exposure I have was only to the Bible preached to me by Pentecostal pastors that wanted money from me. Now that I'm in mm -hmm. America, 
I have seen that there are gay people who are pastors and God loves everybody. So what view plus as uh, what view is exposure plus lived experience? Okay. I was looking at some Bible verses earlier because I was trying to find, and I had this conversation with a couple of people trying to get views. Um, by the way, I should say my aunt, uh, she's wonderful, but my aunt is very conservative at that phase. So when I told her I'll be talking to you, she was not pleased. She's, she was like, you're a child of God. Why would you entertain this? And in her view, she feels like me talking to you on my platform is disrespectful to God. And I'm exposing other children of God to being gay. Like I'm basically telling them it's good. You should all be gay. Adafi is gay. So yeah, go ahead and do it. <laughs> and I'm sure that this isn't new for you, right? Especially among Nigerians and Africans. Uh, I wanted to mention some Bible verses, but let me Go on. Finish the thought. Let me let me finish the thought I had. So, how is your relationship with other Nigerians, both here and in Nigeria? Not even just Nigerians, but Africans here in America and back home, and your family. Did you come out to your family before you came out in church? Yeah, I came out. Oh, to you my... came out to your family first. Okay. My mom first. Oh wow! And how yeah. was that? It wasn't easy. I just like mommy. I think um like all those people men that like other men. I couldn't really like come Say, out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gay to her. So she was like afraid. She was like, Daffy, it's not like okay, can this just be between both of us? If nobody mm. else knows, it's fine. Mm. So I told her that it can't be between both of us because for now Let's leave it between both of us. But in the future, I don't know how it will go. So just from my first interaction with my mother, I knew that it would be impossible for me to be gay in Nigeria. Wow. Because she she was not afraid about me being gay. She was afraid about the kind of persecution she might face. Right, right. Like the way your aunt is saying, why are you giving it a platform? It a right. human being. And Edafe is not going to convert people to be gay. Edafe is just <laughs> explaining that don't kill other gay people. Okay, if being gay is evil, let's say is is being gay is evil, who have the right to kill somebody for smoking a cigarette or smoking weed? If that weed smoking kills, right? Why right. don't you kill somebody that is smoking a cigarette? Like you are doing something bad. Don't smoke a cigarette. I will kill you. That is what I'm advocating for, is that, okay, is your worldview that being gay is evil? I don't disagree with you. I'm not against that. But why do you have to kill me to get that point right. through? I would say that as a Christian and a Nigerian person, I've spent most of my life here in the States. But I'm still a Niger girl, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I still spent those years. I remember the first time I even knew what it meant to be gay. I was in JSS 1 
or for the, the those in America, that's the seventh grade in Nigeria. And my my classmate pulled me under a tree. I went to an all girls school, and she we were whispering. She's like, "I want to tell you something," and I'm like, "What?" And she whispered in my ear, "That did you hear?" And I'm like, "Hear what?" And she said, "Elton John is gay," <laughs> and I was like, "What is gay?" I didn't even know what it meant. And she told me he sleeps with men, and we we're like, "Oh my god!" Like for me, that was just. Like crazy, I had never heard anything like that before. Like, what do you mean a man sleeping with a man? I don't get it. And so that's my experience. And that's how I heard of being gay. And when I came to America, my first year in college, I was 17. We had a friend. We always, all of us, the group of Nigerians, we always used to stay in the chat room. We chatted with a bunch of people. She used to, she had a boyfriend. She was tomboyish, right? Mm-hmm. But, but she had a boyfriend. It was a Kenyan guy. And she was chatting with somebody a lot. We just assumed she's doing the same thing we were doing. And one day she finally told us that she had a girlfriend. And we didn't even get it. We thought she meant, you know, a girlfriend, like the way we were all girlfriends. And she's like, no, I meant girlfriend, girl. I'm in love with her. And we were, I mean, you can imagine (laughs) a bunch of 17, 18 year olds who were fresh. I came to Nigeria, to America when I was 15. So at this point, I've only been in this country for two years. And a bunch of Nigerians uh, who have are teenagers, mm-hmm. first year in college, don't have it. We hadn't even had sex. We, like, we were all virgins, as far as I knew. <laughs> so we don't, we don't even know straight sex yet. And then you're telling us that you're gay? So we, <laughs> we were so confused. And sometimes I think about her now, and I wonder, did we make her uncomfortable? Did we, were we mean to her? Did we cut her off? And it wasn't meant, we, we, we were so confused. Like if somebody told me today that they're gay, my reaction would be like, oh, okay, whatever. You know, versus when I was 17 and I don't even know how to talk to a boy and you're telling me that you're gay. And then as if that wasn't bad enough, she would tell us in detail of their sexual activities. And it was so awkward because again, we haven't even had straight sex and we we couldn't even comprehend what she was talking about. We kept waiting for the day she would tell us, oh, that was a phase or that was a mistake. That never, yeah, because we, we, we didn't understand it. You know, growing up in Nigeria, it's not like now where people are telling their kids, you can love anybody, love is love. That wasn't a thing we heard growing up. So it's know? true. And me too, I had the same experience growing up. People told me that I'm in a phase and I would yeah. get over it. So I did yeah. women. I was just punishing myself. And this is something I want people to know too, is that if being gay is a choice, that people have to make. Why would someone choose to be that person that will be persecuted all throughout their life? My friend Uju always asks this question that you just asked. She said uh, she doesn't think, why would anybody choose to be gay? Like, it seems like such a difficult life. It's a difficult life. People will beat you up. People will uh, insult you on the streets. Anything you do, like if you succeed, they're like, oh, you're putting your ass fucked. If you fail, they'll be like, oh, your gay ass have been beaten. Everything right. you do hinges on your sexuality. That is why I said I don't want people to call me a gay rights activist anymore because I am much more than my sexuality. I'm a, right. I'm a writer. I, I'm a diversity expert. I'm a public speaker. I write books. I do talks. But everything Nigerians talk about is, oh, the gay rights activist. So I want to let people know 
that me edafi before my sexuality comes into place first of all i'm a human being right i'm a nigerian i'm a black man i'm six foot one i'm 205 i weigh 205 pounds mm -hmm. i'm an educated person i have a master's degree I have a job. I'm an executive director of a nonprofit with eight staffs under me. I raise funds of up to a million dollars every year to capture, make sure my organization is running. My second mm -hmm. book is coming out in October. Everything a human being does and function, I do it. The only difference between me and a straight person is that I like to have sex with another man, just one man. I want to be with that person not to have sex with another person. And this is the three problem people have with that. Number one, African men believe that a man, the roles of a man, gender roles of a man, nobody should wash plates, wash clothes, <laughs> clean the house. And if, two, and if two men are living, one have to do that. So the gay, gay rights threaten the African idea of masculinity. Number two, is religion. They'll be like, it's against the Bible. And I ask people, show me where specifically in the Bible that it is written that homosexuality is a sin. I have never seen it in the Bible. Number two, there is no white person in the Bible. The Bible is written by Africans from Egypt to Jews in Jerusalem. So mm -hmm. how come people are acknowledging a white man's translation of the Bible, the King James's version, to be the end or be all of the understanding of religion? Number three is the idea of reproduction, that gay people cannot give birth to children. There are so many children in the world. Now, people between 18 to 24, Africa have the largest amount of people. Gay people can adopt them. And there are other ways to have children. Vish, artificial insemination and so, so many other ways. So those ideas and construct of homosexuality, the main thing is that people are not thinking about us as human beings. They only focus on how we have sex in our bedroom. And if you think about the way straight people have sex, it's also as disgusting as the way you think about gay sex. Mm. You guys think about straight sex as disgusting. <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay, gay men say that, oh, um, straight gay men, they say that women pussy is fish. It's just <laughs> it comes fish on the eye. They're like, smell. Oh my God. They say, Dave, you're breaking tables today. All right, say, go ahead. They say, I'm just being sincere. They say, Please be. It smells like fish. So a lot of gay men are like, are you doing fish or not? I don't. Wow. Do Some people would like joking and say, I don't do fish. Wow. Wow. I know I have a friend. Uh, she's, she's a lesbian. And I had seen on her Instagram page, she put up once a meme, which she said was a lesbian joke. And it was them uh, saying they were having fish for dinner. It yeah. took me a while to get what that joke was. I'm like, what's, what's funny about fish for dinner? Mm. But okay. Now, Adafi, um, you're shaking all kinds of tables. Mm -hmm. Masculinity of men, you mentioned. Yes, uh, but who's washing plate and who's doing that? I can see how that's a threat. You know, I was reading 
uh, before our episode some things about. Uh, I was trying to find out when homosexuality was recorded in Africa. I couldn't find it that particular information. I know in Ghana uh, they were saying uh, it only became a crime a crime uh, in eighteen sixty, which I found very interesting because I would have thought it was more recent. But the fact that it became a crime in eighteen sixty implies that before that there were already homosexuals in 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 Ghana, right? And I was reading that actually in the Asante courts uh, in the 18th and 19th century that male slaves served as concubines mm. to, their, to their kings. And when the king died, they killed kill the slaves along with the, the, the king. But I found that interesting because we do have a belief that the white man brought the yeah. gays, right? Mm. Uh, it's a Western thing. We were not gay before Igbo people came in here. Uh, that which I don't believe to be true. For one, in the Bible, you, you mentioned the Bible doesn't talk about, doesn't say that homosexuality is a sin. Mm. Um, does it not say in any particular part, and I want to look for it, like in the book of Leviticus, that's an example. I, want, that's, I, I want you to go to the Bible and show uh-huh. me a, anybody that is listening to this. Go to the Bible and show me a place that it says homosexuality. Okay, maybe this is a thing of interpretation. So or, let me. Or anywhere in the Bible that it says gay. I just want to see that part of the Bible. You know why? You wouldn't find that because 3,000 years ago, the word uh-huh. homosexuality does not exist. Right. So I don't have so, that particular word of gay or homosexual. Yeah. So if homosexuality did not start not until 1960-something, the, the 19th century, before the word mm-hmm. homosexuality, the first time they ever identified the word homosexuality was in the, the, the 19th century. I think it's between... Mm-hmm. In ancient Egypt, the best known case was in ancient Egypt, and that was like uh, twenty four ninety four BC or twenty three forty five BC, something like that. Before mm-hmm. Christ, a gay person existed. His name was Nanakun Kam, and Kam Hotep. Both men lived and served under Pharaoh during the fifth dynasty. Really? Yeah. So the Bible was written in that time that the word homosexuality had been existing and they didn't put it in the Bible. So tell me how come the word homosexuality did not appear in the Bible and the first time ever homosexuality appeared in the word was in 2494 to 2345 BC before Christ was born. Christ lived through 3,000, almost 2,500 years, 500 years before Christ was born. And Christ lived true. Christ never mentioned homosexuality. Jesus Christ never mentioned gay or homosexuality or persecution of gay people. But why do we attach ourselves to persecuting gay people? If Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the person we want to be like, Christ-like, never made mention of it. In the commandment Jesus Christ gave, did you see any place where Jesus Christ says, if a man has sex with a man, he should be persecuted? I have never seen that in the Bible. 
I have not seen that as the words of Jesus, uh, but I think, did Paul not say something? Wait, so let me read this are we, verse to are you. We, are we following Paul no. or we are following Jesus? No, no. I know, I know, I know. That's what I was going to say. I didn't see where Jesus himself said it. Okay, so do we not take the words of other people in the Bible? or where, I mean, what are we doing here? Do we say, unless Jesus specifically said it, Unless it no, was written that Jesus said it, no, it doesn't count. No, what I'm saying is this. If Paul said it is an opinion of Paul, like the way I can say something is my, is my opinion. But we say we are Christians. Christians means we are Christ-like. We're following the teaching of Jesus Christ. And in the teaching of Jesus Christ, there was never a place where Christ says, persecute a man having sex with a man or a woman having sex with a woman is against my father's law. Number one. So if you are a strong Christian, that means if you are strong Christ-like, follow the teaching of Christ. Christ says, love your enemy. Love your brother as yourself. If a gay person yeah. is your enemy, then you should also show them love. It's by showing them love that we come to accepting the message you have to teach somebody. If you have a confrontation with somebody, no matter what you tell them, you, Vera, you, you are a woman. If you are in a relationship mm -hmm. with a man and the man is shouting at you, would you listen to anything the man has to say? No, of course not. Until you sit down to say, I'm sorry for how I raised my voice. Now I'm ready to talk to you. Is it not then you will come down a little and say, okay, tell me what you want to say. Right. If gay person is never given an opportunity like the way you are giving me an opportunity now to talk about myself, how can I be able to understand the angle in which the Christian person is coming from? It's not by casting and binding that we can form a relationship. It's by coming together as matured people to hear my point of view and I hear your point of view. They said if you hear somebody's story, you have a different idea yes. of who that yes. person is. So those people and you're less likely to judge the person. So those people that are accusing gay people as evil, as bad, as they are not Christians. Because the definition of a Christian is to be Christ-like. And to be Christ-like is to be loving and accepting of somebody. Even though I wanted to change from not being gay, it's not by all those people there that will make me change. What they are doing is to make me sit very strongly in my gay rights activism. Because I would not agree for someone that is an illiterate or doesn't know how to spell to tell me how to translate the Bible. I will go down into that place. I will fight each other. But I'm just saying <laughs> as a joke that you are make we're all activating our defense mechanism when uh -huh. we don't allow other people's voices to be heard. Okay. Now this Bible verse, because I know this one gets brought up a lot. Uh, Leviticus 20, 13. If I'm not, now I'm reading from the NLT version. So I know this has been translated and retranslated. This says, if a man practices homosexuality, having sex with another man as with a woman, both have committed a sin, both have committed a detestable act. They must both be put to death for they are guilty of a capital offense. This is from the book of Leviticus. Um, mm -hmm. Like, it, although it does have the word homosexuality, I know it's been translated and retranslated. And I know this is one of the big verses that 
anti-gay people mention when they're making the argument that being gay is a sin. Mm. So what do you think about that or what do you say to that? Do you know what I have to say to that? Tell me, tell me. Leviticus was written more than 5,000 years ago, Uh 2,000 years before Christ. Mm -hmm. And when Christ came, Christ said, I destroy all the old ways of worshiping my father. Mm -hmm. I have come to set a new way. It is only through me you can come to God. And the Jews are part of the Old Testament. So now we are following Christ. And Christ never made mention of demolition of gay people. In the Old Testament, there was a place that David was saved by Jonathan. And Jonathan said, I love him like I love myself. For Jonathan to give Mm -hmm. his throne to his brother, explicitly stating that is gay love. A man, he said it, I love him like my brother. What kind of love is that that you give a servant your position? You, huh? I've never heard this one before. So I, you're talking about Jonathan, the son of Saul, that gave David his robe. Yeah. First Samuel eighteen verses four, and Jonathan removed the robe. It was that it was on him and gave it to David, and his armor, and even his sword and his bow and his bets. He gave him everything mm-hmm. and said, I love you like my brother and allow David to escape. Why? Because Jonathan and David were in a relationship. Oh, Chimo. <laughs> so, Daffy, this is the first time I've heard this one. Why don't you think that this was literally brotherly love? And... And why do you think it's a romantic relationship and not brotherly love? So why do they think that the a man lie with a man? Why do they think it's two men? Why don't they think that a man in the Old Testament can be a woman or a man? What we are mean, all translating the Bible to our modern day understanding. Ah, uh, okay. I, I I'm I'm having trouble with this one about Saul. I mean, about Jonathan and David. I will have to read the whole chapter again. I'm looking at it. It's first somewhere, verses 18. Go and read it from the the top to the down. Okay. But even the New Testament does mention homosexuality, although not as the words of Jesus, but like when Paul was talking about it. What did Paul Uh, say? Um, let me see. Like in the book of romance, I just saw it now. Um, let me see. You know, you know something we have done today, Vera? What? We have mentioned only the Bible's explanation of homosexuality. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. What? I don't know anything about the Quran. No, apart from, says, apart from the Bible. Any religion. So, if only the Bible criticized homosexuality, how many Christians do we have in the world when Jesus Christ was around 3,000 BC? Only about 6% of the world population were Christians. Mm-hmm. So the, the remaining 94% were not Christians. And they said to those Christians to turn those other people to Christians. That means Christians were the minority then. 
Right. So how come the minority religion is not the one that is deciding how everybody should live? So those people that died before Christianity became a mainstay religion that practice every other thing, they are going to be destroyed. So we're focusing on something that just came 3,000 years ago. And this world has been existing billions of years ago. So those yeah. people that survived before Christ came, they are all stupid. No, you sound like my mom. <laughs> I just want to know. <laughs> so my mom was saying, so me that I said this, I'm now stupid. Abby. <laughs> no, but the thing is, okay, so see, I, I get the argument you're making, and that makes perfect sense. But I'm trying to understand because you said you're still a Christian. So are you do you fall do you just follow some parts of the Bible or how do you decide what's true and not true in the Bible? How do you decide which what to follow? I'm a Unitarian and the Unitarian Church follows seven principles. And the okay. seven principles is we believe that everybody have the rights should have equal rights. Women's should be equal to men, Pro protect environmental justice, LGBTQ rights are human rights. We we have like doctrines like that with the Unitarian Church. We bring pastors to preach, we bring imams to teach, we bring rabbis to teach, Buddhists, because we believe that in every religion is an atom of truth. And the main purpose of religion was to form community and not to condemn other people. Because what Christ was trying to form was love your brother as yourself. That means take care of your neighbors. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false weakness against your neighbor. Don't kill. All those commandments were like safety rules, like law and order now. That if you commit a crime, you'll be executed and things like that. Pay your taxes. To whom honor is due, pay honor. Things like that. Everything that Jesus Christ was teaching, now, today, their laws, their constitution, they are written in our books. We follow them in different ways. So spirituality is something people attach to when they don't have purpose or meaning in life. Hmm. So you huh. see, a lot of Nigerians do not have recreation. The only recreation they have is to clap and dance in church. So Hi. the only thing they know how to have fun with is to dress properly and go to church to sing and dance. Definitely. <laughs> okay. I've never I, heard of the Unitarian Church. I literally, I, as I was speaking, Have you seen some it. Tony Robbins? Does he go to church? No. But Tony Robbins doesn't preach the Bible. Go and watch Netflix. I am not your guru. Tony Robbins is healing people. Because in life, we are connected as human beings by a supernatural being. The name does not necessarily have to be God. So, okay. <laughs> I just Googled the Unitarian Church. Uh, society. I'd never heard until I was sorry, until you just mentioned I'd never heard about it. So you believe in God being one being, is that correct? Yes. So you don't believe do you believe in Jesus? So Jesus existed, 
But Jesus is not the son of God. Jesus is a prophet. Oh. Jesus is because if Jesus did not existed, how come the date was shifted before and after Christ? It's just like Donald Trump is the president of the United States. But the first president of the United States, the first person that was ever named president was Abraham Lincoln. So in 500 years from now, are you going to say Abraham Lincoln never existed? Abraham Lincoln existed. But is Abraham Lincoln God? No. Or is Lindy Bean Johnson that freed the black slaves God? No. So like people exist in history. Jesus Christ was just an egomaniac. Just like T.B. Joshua. Healing people, doing all those things and saying, I am God. Only way you can come to God is through me. It's just a man that is doing his thing. And people write about him then because the Bible was the only book that was collected within that time. So it frames the story and makes this person like an end or be all. Imagine if there's no printer in the world right now. And the only way you can write a story is five people that are appointed to write about the president of the United States. In 3,000 years from now, when those five people collect their story and put it into a book, it will be the only idea of history we have of 2020. And if that people say that the pandemic happened and killed five people, there's no other way you can prove it. But now... Right. If somebody said kid five people, another person go and read another person's Twitter. It says six thousand. So you see different people's Twitter, New York Times. There's different places. Authors are writing books. There are blogs. There are different places. People are documenting the same thing. So somebody cannot just lie and say this was the only story that existed. The reason why Jesus' story resonates so much is that the Bible has every wisdom that you need to live as a human being. Talk about Solomon, how he treated his wives. Talk about David, mm -hmm. a poor person. David today is just like me, escaping danger in my country, coming to America, becoming successful. Talk about roots. It's just like Hillary Clinton, first woman that almost became president or the prime minister of New Zealand. These are people in the, that existed, that we collected their stories or Rayad Bonke, T.B. Joshua, or T.D. Jakes. Their stories, people start reading it 3,000 years from now, they'll be like, wow, this guy healed this person, changed this thing, and did that thing. That is how Jesus is. Wow. I am not usually, I'm usually not short of words, but I am right now short of words <laughs> because I don't, really have an adequate comeback for the arguments of who Jesus is or what your beliefs are that about who he is. But you did mention something I wanted to follow up on about you escaping Nigeria. I mean, so you are a refugee. And can you tell me a little bit about that? Because I'm sure that there are many people who might be curious about that, how you ended up from Nigeria and here and where you are now. Hmm. I'm coming. Just give me a second. Okay. So, you okay? Yeah, I'm just thinking about something. Okay. Okay. So, um, 
thinking how do I talk about this? Okay, so so I would say that I was lucky to escape okay. Nigeria. Okay. Because there are so okay. many people today in the country that are facing persecution. They don't have uh -huh. flight tickets, they don't have visas, they can't leave Nigeria, they can't even buy the flight ticket to leave Nigeria. So when I was planning to leave Nigeria, I never knew I would come to the US. Okay. I was dating a French guy in Abuja, a French diplomat. So I thought I was going to go to France, get married to him. Okay. But when I faced this last persecution that I was beaten and dragged out of the streets, wow. I just I just got my visa to the US then. So I was paid salary and I flew to JFK seeking asylum. So one thing I would say is that I was lucky to have had a US visa then. Right, right. And, and coming to the US, the reason why I was successful is because I have a degree from Nigeria. So okay. education is very important too, you understand? So okay. education is not just like sitting in a classroom or things like that. But you know, when you're in a classroom, you learn how to communicate with people, you learn how to prepare materials, all those things build you up, presentation in classroom or things like that. Mm -hmm. So coming mm -hmm. to America, I've already worked with like US agency, USAID. Okay. I have okay. experience, I have background. So I easily fit into the work environment here in the gotcha. US. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. And how has it been since being here now? Obviously, I know you know it's a completely different like, in terms of being persecuted. I know that's completely different from Nigeria. But have you faced any racism? Have you faced discrimination here based on your sexuality also? A um, little bit. So, you know, in the gay community in America, we also face, like, racism. It's big here. Because, you know, in, in this place, they talk about body positivity. Gay right. people like to be, like, muscular. They like white, muscular gay people that they can do their body competition and things like that. I'm not like that. I'm a very, like... I did not know that. I'm a very conservative person. So like in the gay community, I have what they call BDSM. It's like a sex whereby people use leather, they beat themselves right. up. And like <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm very conservative. I'm like easygoing. I like to be with one person. Maybe that's why I never had HIV in Nigeria because a lot of people think that HIV is about promiscuity. No. HIV is all about like being very careful on how you have sex with people or things like that. Mm -hmm. so when I came here, it was difficult for me to fit into the community for many reasons because I lived in a country whereby we're always afraid to be ourselves. So I saw two, right. men, two men kissing themselves, holding hands. I'm like, oh my gosh, display of public affection, I can't. Things like right. that. So I was very uncomfortable at the beginning. But you know, as you live around people, you begin to take some of the characters you find there. And I became comfortable gradually with myself and my sexuality. And when I attended my first Pride, oh my God, I saw mm. a crowd of people that looks like me. People crying, mm. bankers, lawyers, whites, black, wow. Christian, Muslim, everybody just singing gay rights are welcome like you just feel like this is home 
So it took me time. I faced some form of like internalized homophobia, discrimination, rejection. Wow. But when I accepted myself, every other thing fall into place. How is somebody going to love you if you can't love yourself? Very valid question. Very valid question. People look for love in people instead of them to look for love in themselves. Let me ask you this, because you said that you went to an all-boys school in Nigeria. Yeah. Do you think that a person being gay or anything on the LGBTQ, really, do you think it's mostly, is it nature or nurture, or is it a little bit of both? Like, it's... do you think people are just born, like, you're gay because this is, this is the way you're wired, whether you born, believe in creation born, or evolution. We are born gay. Vera, we're if we're not gay. born gay, I would have quit. I've, I've dated women. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't function. Like uh, So you've had fish? I've had fish. And you didn't like the fish? No. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't function, too. Like It's not like I couldn't function in sex. I couldn't function in the dynamics of being around a woman. Got you. Sleeping together, talking about the issues she faced, buying her flowers for Valentine. I couldn't function. Like I was forcing myself to be something I was not. Is I I see. I live. How can it be nurture when I live in a community whereby I have two sisters and one elder brother? My other brother have four children. My two sisters they have four four children each. They are married in a straight relationship. What is the example of being gay around me? Oh, the reason I asked about that, because you went to an all-boys school. I went to an all-girls school. No, and... I, I went to an all-boys school. Okay. That, that year that I started my school, we became a mixed school. We are boys and girls. Oh, okay. Yeah. There was no okay. way. There was no way in Nigeria you can, like... You, you can meet boys in the bathroom, you guys shower in group or something like that, but you can't have sex in a boys' school. Because, you know, Nigerians are very homophobic. If somebody finds out, you're in trouble. Mm. Do you think now, uh, in 2020, that there are some people who say that they're gay or bi or whatever, and it's because of nurture? Um... That would be perpetrating a stigma that I don't agree with. I can say okay. that gay people are on a spectrum of like okay. understanding who they are. So you can be, you can say you are bisexual today, or you change your gender pronouns. You can change things around being gay, but I don't think you can be gay today and straight tomorrow and gay next day. Okay. And what do you think about people who say you can pray the gay way? Like people, there are people who come out with testimonies and say, I used to be gay. And then, you know, That's whatever it has happened and I'm not gay anymore. Do you, know, do you know how many married men have sex with men? Yeah, let's actually have talk you, have about you, that. In the have, you, have you heard about um, um, uh, cruising? No. Okay. Cruising? Yeah, so on your spare time, Google cruising. So cruising is when okay. a group of men that are married, they would drive into uh -huh. a park, like a big park. They would drive uh -huh. and park their cars, and they will be walking around 
so they're cruising they'll just be walking around other men will be there if somebody touch somebody in a way they like they will go to a corner and have sex with that man run into their car drive and go and meet their wife what i have never heard this before men cruise married men cruise secondly they cruise in a gym locker room so if you go to a gym you know men have their own uh, gym locker and women have right. their gym locker right so if you go to that men gym's locker gay men that i'm so bisexual i will call them so they got married and they don't want their wife to know they go to the gym and saunas and bathhouses and cruise with other men that's really scary, but you're not the first one to tell me about married men. I've heard that there are a lot of uh, our men, by our, I mean our Nigerian slash African men who are, um, what's the word? Basically on the down low, yes. And they're married and they have wives and they've got kids and they've got boyfriends. Uh, I have this other uh, person who has said, a, a gay man who has said that most of his boyfriends are married men yeah so this is something you should know is that in nigeria it's better to date a married man than oh, to God. date a single person because a married man is trying to protect their marriage now so, okay you mean as a gay person is better to date a married man yeah because okay the married person is protecting his marriage okay so okay. it's not like it's not like they cannot like really like fight you or things like that. So it's better for. And what about what other kind of men did you date when you were in Nigeria? Apart from married men, what other kind of people would you say are really on the cover or high, not on the cover, so, but on the down low? So, so dear down low is a is a term in the gay world that is used to identify people who are trying to question their sexuality or mm -hmm. don't or don't want people to know that they are gay. Uh -huh. So there are a lot of people that identify as DL, reverend fathers, pastors, oh, politicians, people who don't want people to know that they are doing it. Reverend Fathers, I was born and raised Catholic, and I know oh. that this. Oh. Yes, 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 I was. I'm not Catholic anymore, uh, but my family, uh, like my grandma, my parents, they're still Catholic. They're still waiting for me to return, to get my senses back and return to my roots of the Catholic Church. So that's disappointing, but not surprising. So um, let me see. I had so many questions for you. I read about African countries, uh, and there's a bunch of them. I don't have, I didn't compile the list of all of them, but countries in Africa are basically where being gay is illegal. Uh, like in Egypt, you get 17 years for being gay. And in like Kenya and Zambia, Nigeria, you get 14 years. And Nigeria, I saw the sections of the law and they were quite, uh, elaborate like because it wasn't just about you being gay it's also showing public affection uh it's a, it's a whole bunch of things that could land you in trouble mm. uh any like ethiopia and zimbabwe you'd get 10 years but then in some other countries you could also get a death penalty nigeria being one of them in mm. the northern states the states that have adopted 
the Sharia law, right? Yeah. Like I think, yeah, I think states like uh, Zamfara State, yeah. Jigawa State, Sokoto, Even Niger State. Oh, Niger, really? Okay, so yeah. all these states, uh, you would get stoned to death if you if you're convicted mm. of being gay. Um, what do you think? Oh, what do you think Africans should be doing? Because this 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 is where I am. I'm not going to tell you that I'm not going to lie to you, right? Adafi, and tell you that I will attend a pride uh, parade and I will fly a flag. I wouldn't lie and say that I will do that, but I do. I don't agree in the criminalization of homo- homosexuals. I don't believe that that's a crime that mm-hmm. people should be uh, beaten or jailed or persecuted for that because um, that's two consenting people do. I don't like that's not the concern of the government who someone chooses to sleep with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my question is, what can we do as Africans to help the cause? Because I think that also for us, part of it is confusion. We genuinely don't know. A lot of us don't even, like we can't even comprehend, especially as straight, I know there are some people who are down low, right? And there are some people who are just homophobes. But then for the rest of us, we just don't know. We don't know how to, we don't understand it. Nobody has taken the time to sit down because I find that when you say something, like if I were to, you, I don't know how you feel about what I just said when I said I wouldn't really go to a parade and fly yeah. a flag. Uh, but sometimes when you say things like that, then you are labeled as a homophobe. I don't consider myself a homophobe. I'm yeah, not going to come out. Okay, thank you. <laughs> but because because you are not going to pack shit and eat it to your mouth does not <laughs> does not make does not make you a germophobe, does it? Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. like this is something I don't think I want to do. So this is my advice for people: change. Okay. Change is a gradual process. Okay. Uh-huh. Like you spoke when you just started your life here in America, college days, someone talking about lesbianism was a bit foreign to you. Yeah. And now it's no longer that foreign to you. So yep. change takes time. The first step in creating change is being willing and accepting to listen. And that is the first thing a lot of Nigerians need to do. To listen to the stories of these LGBTQ people that are saying that we are persecuted and to understand that everything does not end with religion. Sometimes we just need to check a sheer pill and have a common sense and think, okay, if religion tells you to jump into fire, are you going to jump into fire? The Bible says, thou shalt not kill. So if a gay person is evil, why not allow the wrath of God to condemn them? Right. Why are you taking God's duty into your hands? That's all I would say. Learn, learn, learn. We should listen two times as much as we speak. Mm. I completely agree with that. Um, I've said that before several times that I think that the the first step is you one has to be open and be willing to learn. And we have to understand that we don't know everything. Nobody knows everything. And if there's something you don't understand, to ask questions, but don't just ask the question, but listen for the answer. And and ask the question in order to understand what the person is actually saying. Uh, 
because it's like when you ask somebody, how are you? But you're not actually listening to whether they said they're fine or whatever they said after that. And so I want to know what, what does the LGBT community want most? Is it acceptance um, from the non-LGBT? Is it, is it acceptance? Is it so, legal, to have legal uh, it, equal rights, legal marriage? What is uh, it? Acceptance in the court of law does not happen without acceptance from the public. So we want them to stop killing us. That's all we want for now. Because if we say that acceptance by law is going to be a very big battle, so just stop killing us. Secondly, we if you stop killing us, it will create visibility because gay people are afraid to be visible because they're afraid they don't want to be killed, they don't want to be persecuted. And if you stop killing us and we have visibility, then we can change the laws. Because when people start seeing that, oh, my brother is gay, oh, my aunt Mm -hmm. is lesbian, oh, my nephew is non-binary, it becomes a different conversation from what we currently have. Just stop killing us. I would say that um, as a parent, I have a four-year-old girl, I get very afraid of the world that we're in today because it's remarkably different from when I was four years old, right? Yeah. Uh, kids don't. Kids are exposed to a lot more, especially now if you're even raising them in in the abroad, right? In my case, <laughs> now, I can't, in America, if you're raising them, it's, it's remarkably different. They, my child, knows how to use the voice thing on her iPad. And tell it what she's looking, you know, and she's four. I didn't have that, you know. And so I'm afraid. I won't say I'm afraid of her, that my fear is that she of, of being gay. That's not the fear per se, but the fear of being overexposed to things. Mm-hmm. I saw once a video, uh, this was a long time ago, of uh, a trans person, man or woman, I don't remember who was in a school and I think they were either kindergartners or maybe first graders and was talking to them about being trans. I, at that time, thought it was inappropriate. I didn't see why uh, kids that are like six years old or five needed to be educated on being trans or even gay and all that stuff. I don't think that not... I, I don't like I'm I guess I'm thinking about my child and I, I don't foresee myself that when she turns five in October that I'll be having a conversation with her about being gay or trans or straight or sex of any kind or attraction. I'm thinking that that's overload for somebody that age. But I understand that we're in different times. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think that there is an age or there's a time when parents should talk to their kids about these things or how should they even you know, say it as a straight person in the African community. I can say there are so many jokes now uh, about if your kid, no matter how small says, Oh, I have a boyfriend, you know, like before, like when I was growing up, if I was five years old and told my mom, I have a boyfriend, she'd probably slap my mouth. Right. So like, don't, don't say that. But now if your five-year-old says, a five-year-old girl says that I have a boyfriend, you say, ah, thank God, do. at least he's a boy. <laughs> at so, least... so go ahead. In terms of like closing, because uh-huh. I, I think I will leave in a bit. In terms of like closing, one thing I want to say is that the best thing you can do as a parent is to mm-hmm. raise a child with four virtues, which is okay. justice, t- 
temperance, courage, and compassion. You mm -hmm. cannot control how your life's, how your child's life will go. You can only show them how to make the right decision. If okay. there have to be a choice between injustice and justice, mm -hmm. I hope your child will choose justice. If there have okay. to be a decision between being brave and being a coward, I hope my child will choose being brave. If there have to be a question between being angry and being temperate, I hope my child will choose being temperate. And if there have to be a choice between being heartless and compassionate, I hope my child will be compassionate. And that is all you can give to your child. Wisdom, justice, temperance. Before you go, so we have some... Thank you so much, Adafi. Before you go, we have some Facebook questions. However, um, I like to save these for, for last because sometimes we address them anyway. So some sure. of these we've already answered. Um, so I'll only ask you what we've not talked about. So like Queen Uche, Queen Uche Queen has four questions, but you've already answered the first three. So the last of her questions says on religion, what role can religion play in destigmatizing homosexuality in Africa? So the only role religion can play is accepting of people. Religion has done that here in the U.S. Churches mm -hmm. have started accepting people. And I think that that is... There's a New York Times article by a gay Nigerian who talked oh. about how difficult it was for him to find a place of worship. I think everybody, oh. I think everybody should go and see that. It's Do you very, remember the author of the article? I've forgotten the name of the article. Okay. If, if I Google it and I see it, I'll, I'll put that in the link. So yeah. Fumi asks, although I think you've answered Fumi's question, does, does he still consider himself a Christian as the core of Christianity teaches and believes hetero heterosexuality? So I consider myself a believer. Okay. I don't know if that qualifies me as a Christian, but I know that Christ existed. And crisis love. Okay. Thank you. And uh, lastly, Azuka has some questions. If he's openly out, how does he deal with Nigerian attitudes back home? So it has been a constant turmoil. Every time mm -hmm. I come out to places whereby I identify as a gay African, uh -huh. I've always faced persecution for that. That is wow. why I came out to say I'm no longer a gay rights activist. Wow. Yeah, there's there's a lot. Even my mom also faced a lot back home. Really? Yeah, people people try to insult her on the internet. Wow. Say that, oh, you're supporting your son. God will punish you. Things like that. A woman that have nothing to do with you and you are insulting her just because you have the right to do so. You don't know that the person behind that keyboard is a human being. We have more keyboard warriors than people that mm -hmm. are taking action. And that is right. one thing Nigerians are very good at. They are very good with their keyboards. Uh, question, is it safe for you to travel back home? That's another question. I can't go back home. As a refugee, it means that you have given the right to be a citizen of your country so that you can be protected by a different country. Okay. What's been the response from relatives? Oh, 
Oh my God. One of my aunts wrote me on Instagram a few days ago and said, I'm fine. I never knew you went through all this. We're really sorry for how you treated you. Know. Oh. When there is money, conversation changes. So that now makes money. So it can be accepted. Wow. So maybe that's what all the gay African needs to do. Just become rich. <laughs> See, if if all gay people are rich, uh-huh. there, there is no need for the conversation anymore. That's unfortunate. That's, that's what it will take. Okay. Well, Adafi, uh, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, thank you so much for spending your evening with us. Um, before you go, where can people connect with you? People are like, I like this Adafi guy. He has oil in his head. <laughs> Let me find him. Let me connect with him. Where is that place? At Adafi Okmoro on every social platform. Okay. And your your site, you have a website too. Yep. www.edafiokmoro.com And you said you have a book coming out in October. Is that Compassion is Worth More? Is that the book? Yeah. So this book is available for pre-order, correct? Yes, it is. Okay. All right. Adafi, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Really appreciate Uh, my time. It's been an honor. We've learned so much. I told you somebody on Facebook said they're going to gather firewood from the tables that you're going to break. So... (laughs) So that person, I hope you get all the firewood that you need. Thank you so much, Adafi. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. The I Am African podcast is powered by Verastic. Thank you for letting me be in your ears today. If you have not yet, please subscribe, review, and share this podcast. Do you know any remarkable Africans who should be on the show? people who have compelling stories, or maybe you just have a show idea, please send any show and guest suggestions to iamafrican at verastic.com. That's iamafrican at verastic.com. Follow I Am African podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And you can find me too at verastic on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Once again, I am your host, Vera Ezimora. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>